Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Calling a Man's Answers show, episode number 93. Today we got Liam DeBoer on the show. Liam DeBoer is a content creator and host of Breaking Real News I Wish Was Fake. He's from Canada, he's an awesome dude, and he rants about hilarious things. Take a listen. Ah, oh, man. Uh, thank you for having me on, first and foremost. Uh, my name is Liam DeBoer. Uh, I am a videographer, content creator, um, went to school for music. I've just kind of been cr- uh, creative stuff, my, involved in creative uh, projects my whole life. Uh, and then recently, about a year ago, during all of the lockdowns and all of that, I uh, randomly shared a take on lockdowns just about mental health during uh, all of that and literally just was addressing it to my friends, essentially kind of saying like, hey, any of my friends need to like uh, reach out to anybody struggling, all that kind of stuff, let me know. And uh, the video very instantly went outside of my friend group. Um, I think it still might be one of the larger videos I've done to date, but um yeah, just the response about kind of skipping the bullshit about it all and just kind of like, I, I get, yeah, I didn't get into the politics of anything. Like, I didn't really care at that time. It was just kind of like, hey, I, like, cause this was December of uh, 2020. Yeah, December of 2020. And it, we were just heading into our second lockdown in Canada. And it was like, nobody was talking about mental health like to say anything that like lockdown this was back like when saying anything against lockdowns could would like get you crucified and uh so yeah no it just the people really enjoyed the cut the bullshit kind of thing and i was like all right well i guess i'll cut the bullshit and so i've been talking online for about a year now and uh yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been fun and interesting. Unplanned was never really a thing I thought I'd find myself doing, but uh, here we are. So are you currently living in Canada? Yeah. Yeah, I live in Toronto. Okay, nice. Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. So I knew you were Eastern Time. So I'm not really fluent on Canadian cities. I know Toronto and I know Vancouver. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, that's a good thing to start with, and especially the the cut the bullshit stuff. Canada and the United States, while they're a lot alike, they're very different, right? Especially in their politics and the way they act. And, where, and, and you guys are, there's a, there's a big protest going on in Canada. Do you just want to debrief about that? What do you know about that? What's going on with Canada and the lockdowns and, and the truckers? Yeah. So how, how long of a, how long of a uh, breakdown do you want on that? You want to, you want a quick spark notes? Or you want to get into the gritty? Cause uh, get, like, into the gritty. I, get into the gritty. Okay. I've been, yeah, I've been covering this pretty hard because um the media up here has been slandering the fuck out of it. Like it's been, it's been pretty wild to see what they're, what they're throwing out there. Anyways, about, I think it was about a week and a half to two weeks ago, a convoy of truckers uh, launched from out West. Uh, I believe it was Alberta and they started making their way over to Ottawa. And as they were coming across the country, they just kept picking up steam. Uh, more people and more people join. And by the time they reached Ottawa, the convoy was 50,000 trucks long. Um, like it, it was crazy. The people like getting on to the overpasses above the highways, like jam packed with crowds at every overpass, like people cheering them on, like saying like, yeah, this, this is great. Um, they arrived in Ottawa four days ago and um, they have kind of gridlocked the city around and uh which is it's it's crazy that it's truckers of all things because like if there's anybody who can last out outside for long periods of times it's like these 
guys and girls are like used to doing runs across country and stuff like they sleep in their their truck for weeks at a time right so they're quite literally camping out uh they've got uh fuel reserves uh coming in like fuel tankers coming in and topping up trucks that are uh um blocking off uh the downtown core of ottawa and uh so yeah there, there's definitely been some crazy uh, allegations about the movement. Like it, it didn't take long before it started getting slandered as a white nationalist movement. So essentially what happened was there's a guy named Pat King who is definitely a white nationalist. Like there's no, there's no getting around that. Like he's, he's, he's started a group called uh, Wexit, which is um, talking about wanting to separate Western Canada from the rest of Canada, just cause there's, there's some big differences between like, I would say East and West Canada is very similar to like um, kind of how like South, like those kind of, I would say like the Alberta crowd would be very similar to the Southern uh, Americans, like in that kind of like conservative culture, blue collar, like, yeah, like um, boots on the ground, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of people. Um, And East coast being kind of much more, uh, liberal in that sense but so there was this guy named Pat King who has been yeah, trying to make it so that the West would branch off from Canada essentially and become their own their own uh, country uh, like Quebec has tried to do and all that and yeah this guy definitely has white nationalist views and essentially what he did was he made a video live streaming from his truck when he was part of the convoy and just saying how like everybody should come in and hop into this convoy and you know isn't this fun we should come out here and fight for our freedoms and this and that and the media instantly picked that up and being like this is the organizer of the group therefore this is a um, white nationalist movement because he is so clearly a white nationalist but uh, within literally within hours of it coming out that he was making these claims in his truck the actual organizers of the freedom convoy immediately denounced him they were like packing doesn't speak for us like he's he's not a part of he's yes he is he is in his truck in one of he's one of these fifty thousand trucks but um yeah he's not he's not calling the shots here he's not you know deciding what our motives are um so he immediately got denounced and then uh yeah the, the the white nationalism stuff really started compiling from there and then what ended up happening was there was a Confederate flag that showed up, which is so weird. Like, I mean, and don't get me wrong, people in, I remember in high school, like I grew up in a very like blue collar town and like people in high school would fly Confederate flags on their back of their truck. And it never fucking made sense to me. I'm like, literally, even if you're like, if you're Southern American, it's like, I'm not saying I support the Confederacy, but like, at least I can understand why you are like where you would be coming from but like as a canadian flying the confederate flag i'm like i have zero fucking idea of what you're even trying to accomplish here like this this has nothing to do with anything up here um but anyways he immediately got shouted out by the crowd like the the crowd immediately was like hey get out of here like we don't want you here uh there's there's footage of all this um and which is great to see like it was it was awesome to see some like just the whole crowd be like hey this isn't what we're about here and then seeing as that didn't work the next day a nazi flag showed up on uh on the scene and uh yeah it's like you don't you don't want to see that shit at all like that's that's terrible like nobody um you know nobody rational is looking at that and saying that's okay um and 
what ended up happening was the organizers of the uh, Freedom Convoy immediately started issuing um, rewards for anybody who could provide the police with information about who this person is. Um, so there's now a $7,000 pot for anybody who can bring the, uh, bring in, cause the guy's masked, like he like full mask, like ski mask. Um, so they were like, yeah, anybody who can provide the police with information about who this is like $7,000 yours, no problem. So like this protest is like, dude, it, it's crazy seeing how smart and on top of it, they all are like even a, um, a, war memorial was kind of like driven over with uh like a truck like it didn't get broken or anything but it was just like people were being like heavily disrespectful to it for sure and immediately the press picked that up and uh also people had sorry put uh a no more vax mandate sign on terry fox mm. do you know who terry fox is no He's kind of a Canadian legend up here. He, uh, he, he uh, ran across Canada with one leg uh, to raise money for cancer. Uh, and yeah, he, yeah he's, he's a living legend up here. Like we have Terry Fox Day. I remember every year growing up in school, we would all go do a 5K. Like uh, I think it's in October or September. And um, so, yeah, they put, there's a statue of him in Ottawa and they put, yeah, no more Vax mandate signs on him, uh, which is, yeah, like cheesy. Don't, don't try to like do that, pull that shit. Like, I mean, he wasn't even alive during any of this. Like, don't try to say like he would be anti-vax, like who fucks knows. Um, but uh, instantly the people of the actual protest, like the large majority of people like this happened like on one instance with these, with these statues and people now are literally shining statues across the city, shoveling the snow off of them, laying flowers. Um, like there's literally veteran, there's videos of veterans saying like disabled veterans uh, shoveling and like coming out to these statues and now like like literally without yes they're they're shining sun spit essentially um but uh yeah it's crazy and like they're yeah they're holding out man and uh it'll it'll be cool to see if uh if they can keep it up because i mean i'm fucking hoping so i mean i want these mandates dropped just like everybody else it, it, it's wild to me just to see how many people are saying like yeah i don't want these mandates anymore but i can't support this movement and you're like this movement has shown you they're against every negative thing that has occurred during it um they've fixed it and done better tenfold every single time something happens like yeah and it, it like it boggles my mind like where like these are the same people who ripped down a statue of uh, Sir John A. Macdonald uh, last year during a protest who was uh, our first prime minister and like literally like pulled him off of a building. You're like, don't tell me you all of a sudden care about statues. Like, like this, this has literally been a theme of, um, I hate saying sides because I, I really don't like bringing it to that conversation, but it's like, it is a very like, uh, left moral stance that is getting taken against this movement. And it's like, yeah, that left moral stance has been tearing down statues for like, I mean, in Canada and United States. Yeah. I'd rather say and the United States for sure. So, so it's like, it's like, yeah, why are we sitting here and, and you're going to all of a sudden these rules for thee, but not me. And it's like, in even, even these aren't nearly as egregious as past uh, instances, but yeah, it's wild, man. 
I you hope know, that I hope that covered some of it. But no, it definitely did. And I just wanted you to debrief real quick about what are the exact mandates going on in Canada. I think you might have said something about them, but what is going on with the vaccine mandates right now? Like it, yeah. it's different because I know private institutions, like my school, requires the vaccine, and now is requiring the booster. Haven't got the booster yet, but I'm going to have to. What is Canada's like as a as a um, nation requiring you to do? Yeah, so we instituted a, or sorry, enacted a um, vax pass, and it is, you can't go into restaurants, um, gyms, no restaurants, gyms, movie theaters, entertainment, uh, sports events, anything like that, kind of your standard vax pass system that you would have seen uh, used in uh, Europe as well. And um, government workers uh, vaccine mandates, then what was the tipping point for this movement was the mandates against the truckers uh, for going across border. Yeah. Okay. So essentially what it was is that you now had to be vaccinated and then also like a two week quarantine. I, I don't know a hundred percent about the quarantine, but it was something along the lines of you had to quarantine for two weeks coming in and out. And it's like, and vaccine, it was like, what the fuck? Like, this does not make any sense. Um, especially too, like thinking about it, even here, like it's truckers, like they literally sit in their truck for a week alone at a time. Like, and the only contact they're having is maybe with the one or two people that helps them offload a truck. Like it's minimal. Um, but yeah, we, we did the whole firing nurses, all of that kind of stuff. And then when that didn't work, uh, we entered in a lockdown again, late December this year, or sorry, of 2021 so it's like to me i'm like sitting here we've got vaccine passports all of this and we are in complete lockdown we're just opening i think it was two days ago uh we just started reopening restaurants to 50 percent capacity or whatever but it's it, it, like it, it's just insane there there's literally it's everything's being done on uh like all policy is being made on public polls now like nothing is nothing is being driven by science anymore it's complete optics um yeah, it's about getting reelected at this point, taking the least amount of damage. I mean, and just the fact that they can't, if they up and lift everything, which would be great. And hopefully the truckers make them do, but it's like, if they up and lift everything, they're kind of admitting that these weren't exactly necessary. And if, when you're ruling completely on authority and just saying, take me at my word and I know what's best for you. And then you can't admit you fucked up because you've been, predicating your two the last two years of your policy based on you a hundred percent know what is best um so yeah they can't really take a hard stance uh against these mandates now because yeah they'd literally just be making everybody question their authority from here on out which i mean if you aren't already it's kind of wild but yeah and so just a question follow-up question for that is how because I, I mean, I'm sure you know a little bit about the United States. How does your specific constitution work as relates to your um, different? I don't. You're, you guys don't have states. What are they called? Your little sections, provinces, regions? Provinces, provinces. That's what they're. Yeah. Yeah. How provinces does your... and territories. We have we have a couple. I could do. I can. It, it's so weird. Like we have. Like yeah, we have provinces and territories. Most of the territories are. Um, Dude, I couldn't even tell you. I'm an idiot. I'm a shit. I'm a shit Canadian. Uh, but yeah, provinces and territories. There's uh, 
yeah, Alberta, BC out West, which are the, the main two out West. And then Ontario is, is the other, uh, main, then we've got some Prairie and some East coast as well. And then none of it, uh, which is, uh, up, up North. So how do your, how does your national constitution relate to your province constitution or your province governments? Um, because the United States, I'll debrief you and the people if they don't know. The way our government works is anything not directly written in the United States Constitution is delegated to the states and to the people. So the states have all this power that's not written in um, the Constitution. This is why Texas and New York can be completely different places mm-hmm. in the world, right? Because um, those are the two most people like are like, holy shit, Texas and then New York. Um and so how do your guys' provinces deal with their own re- uh, relative government? Like, is your um, Canadian constitution overriding all the time? Um, can, can the government just come out and put those, those mandates in place and a province has no say? How does that interaction work? Yeah. Um, so it is actually very similar to the States and like Canada is similar to the States in a lot of ways. Um, so instead of a constitution, we have a charter of rights. Um, and yeah, that charter is, that charter of rights is, uh, um, comes down. Yeah. Anything, essentially the same thing where provinces can decide their, uh, like how they're going to run their province. For instance, Saskatchewan, which is a prairie, it is, uh, two, two provinces over to the, uh, West of Ontario. And, um, they they have no restrictions. When uh, Omicron started coming around, the um, the uh, leader in Saskatchewan said, "Yeah, we're not doing this whole mandate thing again. Where we realize it's not working, uh, we need a separate way about it." So it is it is kind of similar in that sense. Where yeah, it's like it's like our we've got our own little mini Florida, like being Saskatchewan, but it's just like a sh- like like a shithole yeah. <laughs> people from Saskatchewan are going to hate me for saying that, but like, Hey, I, I love the people of Saskatchewan. Like I like that kind of stuff, but like, Hey, I do not want to go live in a prairie in a field and like good on you if you can. But uh, yeah, the, those winters, man, like winters in Canada are bad enough, but like out in the middle of a field, like that shit's, that shit's tough. I'm not doing that. Uh, so like, unfortunately when you guys, uh, got a state to bail to restriction free straight state to bail to it was the sunshine state and when we got a uh, restriction free province it was literally in the, in the dead middle of a field mm-hmm. yeah desantis is a, i don't know if you know anything about the governor of florida but he's i do uh, so i do actually follow american politics okay, like cool uh, so you're like yeah. yeah you're good yeah yeah but for any of your listeners who are canadian that don't know desantis is probably besides donald trump is probably the most famous republican right now he's mm-hmm. i would assume he's either going to be on a ticket or he's going to be running for president in, 20, in a couple of years because dude it's so crazy like i've never lived in like Polar being polarized as it is, I've never lived at a time I don't think where the approval rating of the president of the United States is twenty percent. Like that is so bad. Great. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and also, everybody knows that he is not cognitively there. And it's Dude, crazy. Did I see the funny one? The funny one that I heard him say the other day. I was like, yeah, I, haven't, yeah, sir, I haven't heard anybody rip on him for this yet. But he said, uh, if you buy an electric car, you can get across the country on one tank of gas. <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, how is this guy leading? Like, this is wild. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good question to ask. Just to preface this, how does Canada and the Canadian media portray America? And is it like, do they like softball Biden and just hate Trump, or is is that what they do? Okay, that makes sense. 
and like and don't get me wrong dude i Trump grinds my gears uh, like just as much as like yeah. majority of politicians, but um, they the the media does definitely like go hard on him here, and it's it's the exact same thing. So like, what's crazy is actually we we have like very similar. We steal your guys' culture. Like we do not have political culture. We do not have entertainment culture. Like we, we genuinely steal your culture. We've got like hockey and lacrosse and fucking maple syrup. That's like, that's it. Like it's, it's pretty trash. Um, and, uh, I dude, I, I do love people are gonna be like, fuck this guy hates Canada. I don't hate Canada, but it's like the, yeah, we, we, we're not exporting any crazy, uh, like, uh, culture. But uh, so we steal a lot of your left-wing culture. Um, we have a lot of uh, the woke ideas finding their ways up into Canada. So for instance, the Ontario's teacher union just made it so that um, if a natural uh, representation of uh, 50% um, people of color or indigenous or um, um, I can't remember the third one, sorry. But it was like, uh, if they don't have 50% uh, equal representation on this side with, uh, and it doesn't naturally occur uh, with the white vote, then they are going to down, uh, downweigh the votes of the white teachers uh, to make it equal representation in the vote of the teachers union. So like, we're definitely getting a lot of those, uh, those, those identity politics uh, ideas finding their way up into the mainstream up here. And we just, the thing is, is we don't have a conservative culture to battle it. Um, mm. Like four out of five of our political parties that you could vote for this year are more left wing than even your liberals uh, or your Democrats. Sorry. We call them liberals up here. I mean, I guess they're liberals there too, yeah. but just different name. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite crazy. Like even our conservative leader was f like full on board with vax mandates like so it was like yeah we we don't have a conservative culture to balance it so we just get we just get the left-wing ideas up here for sure but uh yeah yeah we we steal your guys politics quite yeah. a bit well i also i don't know much about the origins of canada i just i do know that um a lot of, you know, the structure of America was built on the backs of racist ideas, you know, and racial, racial ideology. Oh, yeah. And so, and so like, that's somewhat like, I'm not, there's a good portion of, of the population where that's still kind of found its way up. And, and, and a lot of the structure and a lot of the conservative ideologies today, I wouldn't say like maybe personally people aren't really they racist. Like there's obviously people who are racist, but I would say a lot of it comes from this idea that generational wealth and and the accumulation of that people have had over time and not wanting to give that up for um people who have been deemed victimized or oppressed and so that's kind of the battle it's really if you want to look at it from anybody that's not in america it would look like old white men or, or a white men versus everybody else and that's mm -hmm. kind of what it looks like and there's a there's a little more to it i think traditionally speaking the liberal ideas have always been progressive they're they've always been more utopian they're always looking to better society and conservative has always been more about tradition more about staying slow progressive reform and so there's some of those on the backing and like like desantis for example his big thing is like against the vaccine mandates and and more about individuality you know and there's not really and then but a lot of it is about you know identity politics versus um 
versus wanting to say traditional, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think, I think one thing that you can see all over the world that I think America influenced is just like the polarization of um, like the oppressed versus the oppressor, you know, mm-hmm. and how that's a constant battle. And so I'm sure that has found its way, regardless of how much conservatism there is in Canada. I'm, I'm sure there's still this idea of like oppressor versus oppressed. And they're oh, all yeah. one. That is, that is, yeah, that is very common up here for sure. Um, like, yeah, like I, like I said, we definitely have just as much uh, of, of those conversations up here as I see happening down in the States as well. Um, yeah, like, dude, Canada has a rough history with some, some aspects for sure. Like even, especially with our, uh, treatment of indigenous communities while this country was being established, like the, um, residential schools that we've been, uh, digging up mass graves like crazy and like thousands upon thousands of children, uh, that died in these mass graves. And like, it's extremely sketchy too, because there isn't even records of necessarily what happened, like not even names of these kids that went missing, uh, no reasons for their death. Like, I mean, you can only assume like some pretty terrible shit went on there. But I mean, at first when everything kind of started coming out, people were like, oh, it was just disease. You know, it was like, oh, disease, like, you know, it can't be all blamed, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, you know what? The fact that they for sure were uh, not keeping records of names and all of this, like that, no, that this is not happening. Like that, I, I, that's not the case. Um, it, there was definitely a uh, big push to try to, civilized the savages so as they would say um but uh yeah like that kind of shit is definitely uh like gross um you know I i don't think anybody sits there and i think i think where the divide on this conversation happens usually is not necessarily that people are like oh this isn't good or this was good or this was bad it's like what do we do with this information now and that's where the divide happens is it's like okay i think we're all in agreement that this thing happened this thing was bad now now what does this mean you know what i mean and that's a hard conversation i i don't know what the fuck to do like i don't know what the best way forward is i usually try to stay out of those kind of conversations of this is what's best for everybody like i i don't know dude i'm 27 i'm a stoner like i fucking played music my whole life like like i yeah i i'm not i'm not even i I didn't even go to university or anything like i'm not i'm not the person to figure this shit out but yeah no it's just like i think my thing has always just kind of been like what's what just happened like what's the truth here like that's all i'm concerned about and as far as what we do with that information after i'll leave up to somebody else but yeah yeah canada definitely has a shady past for with a lot of that kind of stuff as well yeah, I think some part of the scary thing about the United States right now is half of the, well, a lot, like the entire woke community, um, alongside with half of the like other liberals in the in the in the United States, they want to tear it all down and start anew. And the other side is like, let's hold on real quick. This is like the best system that's ever worked. Like this is like how people, all democracies and republics that have been formatted afterwards have come from this one and worked, you know? And so I think that is like the danger is like, if we get rid of something like the United States constitution, the United States uh, government that has worked as worked for this long and we can say worked in parentheses because 
and did what it was supposed to do was like slowing down, not letting anyone take complete control, no tyranny, you know, um, kicking people out of office. Um, what comes after that? You know, it wasn't long ago that the Soviet Union or the Russian Revolution happened and killed tens of millions of people. And China is still murdering people in genocide. And now a part of American culture caters to China. And, mm -hmm. and we just allow them to commit mass genocide against the Uyghurs and the Muslims. And it's like, if- You know what's crazy? What? So Trudeau, our PM, and his whole cabinet, when we were, as a country, when they were doing a vote in parliament to decide whether China's actions against the Uyghurs were genocidal, uh, Trudeau and his whole cabinet played hooky from parliament that day. They didn't attend the vote. Like, dude, Trudeau, Trudeau is like, Trudeau's in, in like, he looks up to G like, like, yeah, he's, oh, fuck, it's crazy. It's crazy watching it, man. It's crazy watching. Like, yeah. How do you deal with like, how do you deal with your, your guys is like leader. Your guys is like head of state. I guess the technically your head of state is still the queen. Right. But um, no, uh, no, that's not a thing for sure. Uh, that was, that was uh, 1876, I think, was when we broke off from British rule. Um, so, yeah, like 100 years after you guys. But You guys don't consider yourself still part of, like, the royal family? Nope. No, we have, we have no ties. We have the queen on some of our money, but, like, we have no political ruling hmm. ties with, uh, with, with the monarchy anymore. I could have swore you guys still were part of, like, the royal family. Yeah. Um, well, good to know. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, back to what I was saying, I think it, the danger of it is like, you know, where do we go from here? You know, like America was like such a, it was like, regardless of the, like the bad things America did, it's always been a, a pillar of hope and betterness and, and, and pushing for equality and, you know, wanting to better the world, fighting evil people that way, fighting tyrannical people that way, you know, and, that, and defending people. That's kind of what we've always been. And now it's kind of becoming like, two major bad people major like uh bad countries in the world being russia under putin and and china and xi jinping like super powerful countries you know they're watching the downfall of the greatest liberal superpower to ever exist and they're laughing you know while while it occurs and i and it they're tossing fuel me. on the flames dude yeah i just read something that said that like 100 percent they are sending bots into our media oh yeah people fighting it's crazy yeah dude so they have they have bots now and i'm sure america's doing the same shit actually you yeah. know what i i can't even say they are because china has this such rap such raps yeah. under their social media like and, and dude that's where i get so like torn on all of this like as a citizen i'm like don't fuck with my like ability to uh, speak freely like I really don't like that but then on the other side of it I'm like they're weaponizing our free speech against us and it's fucking crazy and like I'm not saying the best way to deal with that is to just take it away but it is kind of one of those things where we have to recognize the fact that our free speech is being used against us because those bots dude they can now have like full-on conversations with each other and it's fucking crazy and what what will end up happening too is that they can seeing as they have these bot accounts that can uh comment and like uh post all of this kind of stuff stir up controversy they can actually they'll actually end up being able to decide what goes viral so like they could end up like say make a post about something and then have all of their bots jump into that post and just stimulate it into the algorithm 
and completely have that post take off. Um, like this is something that Rogan's brought up on his podcast a couple of times, but it was like 19 out of the 20 top Christian Facebook groups on, uh, well, obviously Facebook, um, are run by Russian troll farms. Um, so what ends up happening there too, is Facebook changed it so that, you know, how when you used to get a Facebook group invite, you had to accept being, uh, before like getting that group's notifications. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're on Facebook and somebody sends you a group and like invites you to a group, it just automatically adds you to it. So they can just add everybody to these groups, these, uh, I mean, and I'm sure it happens outside of Christian sites as well, but they can just add everybody to these groups and then start stirring up shit with, uh, with memes and all of that. They've, they've, uh, rushed, and this is, this is like a hundred percent. Russia has orchestrated two opposing protests to happen across the street in the States before. Uh, I can't remember exactly where it was in the States, but they got a uh, separatist group to go right across the street from an Islamic rights group. And you're like, they, they literally, both like started these Facebook groups, got these people together and they were like, like Russia organized this protest being like, all right, we're going to meet here at this point. We're going to, you know, protest for Islamic rights, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Or, and then to another group, we're going to protest to separate from like, you know, we're going to get our Confederacy back, all of this, this is where we're going to do it. And then those two groups showed up and it was just this whole like, holy fuck you guys thing. And it was just like, holy shit, this is reality now. Like, so it's, it's nuts that they, these foreign countries can do that stuff, man. And just undermine democracy like that. Yeah, dude. And it's crazy because, you know, it brings me back to what you're saying about Canadians flying the Confederate flag, which is just crazy to me. Um, (laughs) But like, you don't like you drive into the country and there's a lot of young boys and a lot of a lot of white people flying that flag and mm-hmm. and they you know when when americans do it you know Canadian- is it still pretty popular in the states to fly the confederate confederate flag because when i say people in my high school are doing it i mean like literally two or three people that were like all friends with one another and thought it was funny it wasn't necessarily like a thing um it's but- not as popular as, as obviously having the american flag that's now yeah. having the american flag is kind of a symbol of conservatism now which which is crazy. It's like we all live in America, but um, it's still, I mean, I'm sure in the South, like I'm in Texas. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure I live in, yeah, it's gotta happen. So it's like, I live in Oregon now. I go to school in Oregon. So it's like, I mean, I'm sure if you drive, were you there for the, uh, were you there for the, uh, uh, yes. What was it called? Chaz? Chaz? No, that's Seattle. That's Seattle. Oh, see. Okay. Portland riots. So I was here for that. Um, okay. Yeah. So I didn't go obviously, but, people like the protest people went and yeah it, it was crazy like the the uproar after george floyd was crazy in america like it was insane like there was the the and now we have this area where it's like all cops are bastards abolish the police on one side the other side is like blue lives matter and to an extent, like it's gotten a l- probably not. Honestly, I take that. Back. I was gonna say it got better. With the- <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say it got better with the pandemic. But as I'm thinking about it, no, it hasn't. Um, yeah, dude, it's brutal. And you know, I fancy myself as someone like right in the middle. Like I'm nowhere. I I don't go to either side. There's some things that I think I think we should make weed legal everywhere. Um, and I also think that anyone who loves anyone should be able to marry that person. And I also know that racism is a large part of why america is so powerful however i don't think i have to put a shot in my arm i don't think i should be mandated to do that i also think that i should be able to think critically about things before i do that 
and now crazy how that's a right wing thing to think now. Yeah, man. Um, and, what were you gonna say? That's what's so weird is like I I I was just gonna I was just gonna say like how if anything I would describe myself as an anarchist who knows that his political beliefs are not practical on a large scale. So like I dude I I switch back and forth all the time. It's like I've I've voted for the most liberal party that we have and I've voted for the most conservative party that we have. Like I'm I'm all over the spectrum. Like different times require different political techniques. And like like right now I look at it and I'm like, all right, we're our, our economy's in the shit. Uh we've got all these mandates. Like yeah, we should like this is this is when conservatives conservatism is needed and it's like when things are going well and everybody's hunky-dory like right before heading into these lockdowns it's like that's when i support liberals like that's like if everything's in like if everything's good everybody's taken care of cool let's try to figure out how to make things better if things are in peril it's kind of just like hey maybe we shouldn't be spending billions of dollars on like like social programs that we're not sure if they even work yet like sure i'm not saying to cut social program spending like keep, like whatever you know that works there but like maybe we shouldn't be tossing crazy amounts of new money into like printing money we did the same thing you guys did like the vast majority of the money circulating in our economy right now has just been printed out of thin air in the last two months or sorry two years but like it's it's wild dude but yeah that just to piggyback off of what you're saying there about the whole like even it doesn't matter anymore you just get lumped into some box that people want to throw you in and it's, it sucks yeah and also like america showed like american um how would i say this american i don't want to say media it's not the right word american uh pop culture i guess is the right way it's so dominated by wokeness and progressiveness um that people just say idiotic things all the time and get away with it um like, did you see what Whoopi Goldberg said about the Holocaust? <laughs> yeah. So for people who are listening, Whoopi Goldberg, yes. Whoopi, you guys all know who Whoopi Goldberg is. She said that the Holocaust wasn't about race. And then she doubled down saying that it wasn't about race again. And then she finally came out and was like, apologized for hurting people and said it was definitely about race. And they suspended her for two weeks, right? Um. Did she ever say that it was actually definitely about race? Because I saw her go on Colbert and only again double down on the fact that it wasn't about race. After that, she was on The View again too. Oh, okay. Okay, but, I missed, that. I missed yeah. that one then. And first off, if you know anything about World War II, 100% about race, it was he was trying to instill the Aryan race. It was ethnic cleansing. Like it's not, you don't have to think that critically about the Holocaust to know it was about race. And second off, she got suspended for two weeks, whatever. I think that she should probably have not got suspended because I, I think the people, especially in America, should be able to free think. However, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're going to ban free thinkers about people about talking about the max vaccine mandates or any conservative thought, if you're going to fire these people, yeah. Then you got to fire her, dude. You can't just like if you're suspending people who are saying dumbass shit when but they be, you're only going to suspend them because they have progressive ideas, but you fire people who are saying dumbass shit because even when they have conservative ideas, unless they're saying like neo-Nazi shit, like that's a different conversation. But it's like that's a double-edged sword and a double entendre and you cannot do that. You got to you got to be fair and equal, and it's just not, dude. It's just you, they allow these these woke people just to say dumb ass shit, and I don't think anyone should be saying dumb ass shit. But I do think 
you know, as, as Americans, we have this idea that free speech is our number one, right? It's our number one. It's, but it's not anymore. It's about my feelings can't get hurt. I don't want to get offended and you can't have a different opinion than me or you're out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It, to me, like I never even sit here and do the like, see, cause my, my goal in it with the whole, like, even when it comes to like, say cancel culture or any of that stuff, it's like, let's not try to get even let's just try to play by the same rules essentially. And I know that's what we're essentially doing is going like, these are the rules you're playing by. So, all right, I'm going to adopt those rules and do them. But like, even for instance, when it comes to like, say cancel culture, yeah, the right, the right tries to cancel people on the left all the time as well. When it comes to like that, uh, that Olympic uh, girl that uh, like stood away, uh, faced away from the flag as the anthem was happening. Um, You see Colin Kaepernick, like, look, I don't think, necessarily a lot of those takes are great but like i also don't give a fuck if they keep their job or not like after like that's that that has nothing to do with my life i really don't give a shit but um i think the best way that i think about this is is it happens a lot because i'll talk about the conversation about toxic masculinity a bunch and like people will people will come to me and be like well don't you think we should just start a conversation about toxic femininity then and i'm like no, I, I don't think that's the best way to go about it. Because if we're sitting here and looking at like, let's say the goal is to make sure everybody is equally represented, everybody feels equally heard, all of this kind of stuff. If we're sitting down at the negotiation table is the best place to start by saying, this is where I, I don't like about you. It's like, no, okay, let's define everything that works great about us together before we start even thinking about going like, okay, this is where we butt heads or this is where we can make movement. Let's first find that ground that we can cooperate on and then just build upon it. Cause just this whole tear each other down until there's nothing left game doesn't really end well for anybody. And it does suck to see that it's going that way. And like, I don't really necessarily hold it against conservatives that try to turn around and like, say go like a big, uh, like train against Whoopi Goldberg. But like, it's crazy, man, like that. It's just, it's just this like never ending cycle of it. And it, it's just, I don't think you can get out of it. And I think the only thing that makes me feel good about it all is reading history books and realizing it's always been like this. Um, I used to think like, oh shit, never, things have never been like this before. And then, yeah, even, even just reading about how turbulent politics was between socialists and uh, liberals and conservatives leading up to world war one and world war two like even before they kicked off just how turbulent shit was it's like oh this this is just human nature and that's kind of what i was actually wondering uh to pick your brain about uh, some philosophy stuff i know we've been talking about politics this whole time but I'd, I'd love to uh love to hear about your your experience studying philosophy as i'm a i'm a uh I'm a, I'm a stoner philosopher, not, uh, not, uh, a, tr- a university student philosopher. So I'd love to hear the, the comparisons. First off, what is that book right there? This, yeah. uh, thus spoke Zarathustra. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Nietzsche. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, I'll preface this by saying, you know, start, I actually, I wrote my, senior thesis or i'm continuing to edit it but i wrote it on it's a 32 page thesis on finding continuity between marxism classical marxism and marxism leninism or what karl marx wrote and what vladimir vladimir lenin implemented right 
Mm-hmm. It's what I wrote my thesis on. The philosophy of uh, – it's a political philosophy thesis. It's regarding – for anyone listening, I've talked about this a bunch, but it's the ideology of the Soviet Union and what Karl Marx wrote. Okay? So I've studied Lenin and, and Marx a ton. I disagree with both of them, and I agree with both of them in some aspects. I don't think either one of them are great people necessarily, but I think that they had some – especially Marx. Not really, Lenin, eh, he kind of – whatever. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Marx had a lot of good. Yeah, Lenin, uh, Lenin wasn't such a great guy. <laughs> I, they uh, both weren't. I wouldn't say they're both great guys. I, uh, I, you know, it's. I studied them because I hated it so much. You know, mm-hmm. I was a young kid and I listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so I studied it because I think you should, if you want to disagree with something, you should know it like better 100%. than anybody. So. Changed my mind a little bit, a little bit about, especially about Marx. Like he does, I totally understand the grab of intellectuals, like why people gravitate towards Marxism. And I think really the reason is because he he gives an out, right? He he gives an easy out, and it's a it's a rational out. I'm, and so the biggest thing that I've been this leads me into philosophy. The biggest thing that I've been um, struggling with, and actually now I'm. You know, taking a philosophy of law class, so it's actually helping a little bit. But the biggest thing I've been struggling with is the idea of rationality versus morality mm-hmm. um, and how they're not connected very much. And, and people, people like to link them way more than, than they, they want to. And um, yes, it is the easiest one we can see is you can easily rationalize moral and good things and just things. But we don't talk about how a lot of evil people, especially Hitler, um, Marx, they all rationalize evil things by saying there's good that will come out of it. So Marx, for example, says that all we need is a violent revolution. We got to kill all these people who disagree with us because then utopia will come. And this is the thing we see. Um, we Let's see also not forget time. that all of them held a victimhood mentality structure True. as well. All, none of them uh, thought themselves to be powerful leaders that were uh, dominating the globe. They all thought themselves to be victims of a uh, conspiracy, whether it was that the Soviets were victims of a capitalist uh, conspiracy mm-hmm. or, or whether the um, Germans thought that they were victims of a Jewish. Because like when, when Nazism started taking off and stuff in, in Germany, like the, the economy wasn't great. Like, yeah, like yeah. so it was kind of, that's, that's how everybody got it was they said okay our economy's trash everybody was looking for a reason for it and hitler gave them one hitler told them that it was the jews that it's the jews fault that you you're you're struggling economically so it's like all of these movements were based off of victimhood stances too but anyway sorry i, I didn't want to uh, cut you off too hard there but uh no, you're like, good, dude. I, I think that's. Uh, I think I always think that that's such an important claim to make when discussing those people that they all thought themselves victims. Mm-hmm. And Hitler, I, I haven't studied him enough, so I can't talk about him enough. But Lenin and Marx were both. Another thing that they had to their advantage was they were both very articulate and and intelligent, especially. I would say Lenin more than Marx in his ability to speak, just because we don't really know what when Marx was never a leader of a political party. Uh, Lenin was a bureaucrat, you know. He um, his his ability to rile people up was was was. I mean, Hitler had that too, right? Um, and so, I think what I struggled with is like when we're living in a time where people, you know, the first out is to say that it's rational for for you to to get an abortion right and it's moral for it's for the women 
I, I think it's really dangerous to link morality and rationality because they're not the same. And, and so what I struggle with really is like, how do we separate rationality and morality while also like ensuring that there's forward progress? And so I'm, I'm also going to preface this by saying that I, I would, I'm not really a moral relativist. I don't really believe that, um, you know, it's, Morality is relative to the place you live or the society you live. I don't know if you know anything about relativism. Um, I, haven't, I haven't dove into it, but, I, but I'm understanding the concept as you're talking yeah. about it. Yeah. And then, the, and then the, obviously the, um, the antithesis of that is uh, objective morality. Sorry for everyone listening to this. I'll, I'll try to describe it. Objective morality basically says there's objective moral things that every, mm-hmm. everybody regardless of society should live by. And I kind of, lean towards that one, but not a, I'm not hundred percent there. And so I, I worry that we tend to take the, the former rather than the latter. And we tend to say that everything's relative. It's all about the society we live in. And, and therefore whatever's rational for your society, do that. And I think that is so freaking dangerous, dude, because it's, that's how you get genocide. That's how you get indifference. And that's how you get into these, in, these spiral out of controls where the only answer is violence. And I, I, I struggle with how to answer that question. Yeah, man, they're tough. They're tough. Well, they're, I feel like they're unanswerable questions. Cause it's like, if, even if you, even if you operate strictly on morality, you can end up doing some pretty terrible shit. If you end up strictly orienting yourself on rationality, you can also end up doing some very terrible shit. At the end of the day, I think it's like very, that balances everything, like as cliche as it is. But like, even like, I think the best villains in movies are the ones that you can, like, I mean, you, you always see it, like the best villains in movies are the ones that you can understand and kind of empathize with. And they always do that by showing you that these evil people are like you. Um, and and we, we are one in the same, like that evil doesn't just exist on the outside and it's not just in this other group. It's not, you know, whether you're 1930s German and want to say that evil exists in the Jewish race, whether you want to say, you know, you're Soviet and you want to say that it exists in the Western uh, culture, all this evil doesn't reside anywhere, but in every single one of us. And it's like not recognizing that and not understanding that each and every single one of us is fighting a personal battle of good and evil, not this whole like grand scale. Uh, And I think that's where the, that's where the movement and the conversation needs to end up is, is on an individual level of, you know, my girlfriend and I talk about this quite a bit because she's, she's big on the whole concept of, um, creating an uh, ethical code off of the laws of physics, essentially. And even that I see being very like, she, she's brilliant. Like she's absolutely brilliant. And I love, I love her idea, but even that I'm just like, ah, fuck it's, it's so crazy. I don't know. I don't know. And that's where it's like, I think that's where we need to start is just like, I don't know. Let's figure it out as we go. Let's not pretend like any of us has the, the, the best solution to all of our problems. Cause that's where we do end up in these extremist places um, in operating, whether it's operating completely on, I mean, you could, you can make an argument that the right is more tending towards the rational side, like operating on pure rationale and the left is operating on pure moral. And that's where like, I think they need each other. Like that's how I look at 
politics in general as I look at it like a mom and a dad like literally you can think of liberals as your like compassionate mother type and you can think about conservatives as your dad that tells you to you know get pull yourself up by your bootstraps wipe it off and keep going kind of thing and I'm like you need both of those like either you know you can see it all the time like say a kid grows up in a uh, one parent household with a father that's too cold shouldered and you know that typical conservative mindset it's like yeah they grow up to be the exact same cold shouldered and all that and then on the other end if they grow up in a household where they're smothered by compassion they end up being narcissists like the it's it's the clear cut path to each of those and it's like neither of those are good things um so yeah it's like i i think I think the line ends up somewhere in the middle between those two, like whether it's rationality or morality, but I don't, I don't know what you think, but it's tough, man. And I have no, I don't have the answers, you know, I'm just a, you know, young guy. And, and I, you know, when you think about these questions, I think somewhere I do think I have the edge on some people is I, I don't think a lot of people sit down and they think critically about something for a long time. And I've tended to do that with a lot of difficult things that I've either talked with people about or just read because like, I don't know. I think part of it is the fact that a lot of what I'm reading, especially going to a liberal arts school in Oregon as a straight white man, is I'm, I'm reading almost from the defensive, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like everything attacks me. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, uh, I've gotten to a mode that I just analyze and I take apart everyone's arguments when I'm reading it, regardless of if I agree with them, because it's uh, I, when I learned how to critically think, that's what was happening. I, I don't know if that's 100% part of it, but I think it, it does have some aspect of it. But um, yeah, dude, I who gets to decide what's moral and what's not, you know? And that's another one. That's another one that I'm like, you can become really dogmatic, especially if you say God does, right? You're mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, which, which God does though, right? Um, and so if you're talking about- Could, West, I, actually, could yeah. I actually uh, interject with my uh, girlfriend's idea here? She'll, she'll love that I'm doing this. But, and, and, I think, and I think this is kind of cool. Is, is so she looks at God as, as the sun. And so she looks at um, essentially what would be moral would be, uh, and she, she wants to do away with the concept of, of like- subjective morality in a sense but say putting it into terms of the um the scientist versus the narcissist that kind of thing like the the two polar opposites whether it's um you know light and darkness essentially like yeah like light is healthy for you like in the sunlight polarize it with the with the dark same kind of thing with um scientist and um narcissist it's like you know the narcissist only thinks about things in their their realm they're not willing to give a uh give an inch whereas the scientist questions everything even his own theories um or hers uh but the concept is is to like literally just orient ourselves in in moral stances as to what is literally best in health terms uh from like a physics standpoint and i'm like i i think there's i think there's a lot there i actually think she shares a lot of commonalities with sam harris on that on that uh that side um but yeah no it's even that with like i mean getting into like nietzsche that whole concept of the death of God, like even that is insanely uh, interesting to me because I used to be, I've always been an atheist in a sense. Um, I'm loosening up on in, in spirituality terms over the last, maybe I'd say two years, 
but um yeah like i don't think you can actually like I, I don't think you can just do away with the the god as we once or as i once thought we could like because you start putting that faith in people in your immediate vicinity because uh, like i i can't remember i wrote something a while ago it was like we we've stopped we don't put ourselves we don't put our faith in religious deities anymore we put them in political gods and it's like that's that's essentially what you're seeing is like we had these 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 structures and these religious structures that answered the questions we couldn't answer for ourselves essentially and now seeing as we don't have anybody to answer that for it's like we look to literally our political leaders to look at that like i mean literally look at what's happening with um around pfizer and the vaccine like it is very faith-based like and, and i don't even say this as like like oh it's a cult it's a, it's religion but like if you look at the functionality of of the thought process that goes around the pro-vaccine stance it is very religious like it is it is very this like this god whether it's fauci or whoever you want to put in that seat or pfizer um who literally thinks of himself as, as literally a god like that guy's a megalomaniac like it's fucking crazy um but then you have these people that then sit there and go okay i'm just going to take this uh that this person is interpreting the science which i guess is the god aspect Aspect, this as this thing that I can't understand and I need this person whether it's the priest or the scientist to uh, tell me what's on the other side of it and they are and you can even see it with guys like Fauci where they're saying like I am the only person who can interpret this like don't even bother trying it's like that is classic like religious behavior as to trying to get followers essentially being like no 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 you can't think for yourself because how you can ever uh, come come make make sense of all of this science you need me to do that for you um and then it's like then he's the one now he's the preacher and it's like it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy and like even when certain things aren't adding up it's like all right we're gonna just continue on completely on faith like the fact that anybody look i'm not even against vaccines like again i'm not i'm just an idiot like i i don't care do do your thing but like the fact that anybody at this point can be sitting here thinking that there is any credence to mandating them on a societal wide level and creating a split society based on it is like they, they, they are in a religion at that point. Like there, there's, there's absolutely no rational thought to support that. So that's where I look at it. Like that is a completely moral stance. They've just decided that they are moral for doing so. And there's no rational thought left. So like, yeah, I, I definitely look at that whole like argument as, as a religion at this point. Yeah, definitely. And also dogmatism in any sense is bad, right? You know, believing without doubt is kind of like a, like even in Christianity, the whole point is that you, you doubt, you know, you doubt that God exists or Jesus was the savior and you put your faith into it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, dogmatism is dangerous it's what causes genocide it's what causes the crusades it's what causes um the atrocities and you know and and to an extent you know when you start to put i read this book in philosophy of science uh last year it was called the tyranny of science and you know one things i got from it was that you know science is unquestionable you know it's there is a tyranny of science you cannot question the science you know um and so you know to say that you know it's rational to listen to 
these scientists and have to listen to one specific person without any reasonable doubt, without any critical thought of your own or of anybody else, it's dangerous, it's, it's manipulative, and it's, and, it's, and it's not how we were born, especially as American citizens. We're born to critically think and debate, and that's, that's what our political system was made to be. We're supposed to be the smartest people critically debating about topics and then finding common ground. It's not what it is anymore, and, and, and to an extent, it's just these dogmatic individuals who subscribe to an ideology of someone they find to be a god, whether it be Trump or Fauci, really, and, and, and they, they don't even give themselves room to change or grow, and I'm worried of what it's going to look like for my future, what it's going to look like for my kids, you know, because I don't, I'm one of the people that, you know, and people close to me, there's, there's some of them, but there's not a lot of people who just sit here and, you know, when they're questioned or when their, their ideas are questioned, do you, they don't sit down and like, think about them. They don't like question their own identity. They don't question why they believe something. And I'm not somebody who subscribes to ideologies very often because I know ideologies are what causes. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a true believer, especially reading Marx and reading all these people that ideologies are put on us more than we, we like think we subscribe to them. I think ideologies are are placed upon us by people way at the top, you know, more than we subscribe to them. And so I'm not a person who does that. I just think it's, I mean, literally look at, look at the basis of our time, like how we count time. Like our days is literally based off of an ideology. Like, uh, like, so it's like, yeah, we're, we're surrounded by ideologies at all times for sure. And yet they Mm -hmm. are definitely always a pressure and, and uh, pushing down on us. But uh, yeah, like it's, I try to stay as clear from ideologies as possible. Um, on that on that side as well like i i don't want to get entrenched in one way of thinking again i swing from side to side from here and there but like i feel like yeah at my heart i'm an anarchist i think the funniest thing for me to see though is um yeah like this dogmatism of putting people into these boxes and just like these hard lines is to like, be like, this is the faith. Don't question the faith, whether it is conservative or liberals, like, man, I'll make a video talking about, so I talked about uh, China and their, um, the CCP and how they did uh, their racist policies, like, especially towards black people, gays and movies, all of this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's wild to me because I'll post a video shit talking China for cutting black people out of their movie posters and all of this kind of stuff. And the, uh, on that same video, it's like, I got called a liberal fucktard and a conservative grifter. You're like, like what you're like, okay. Like, uh, I don't get it. Like, okay. I'm hating on China. So I'm a conservative and I'm anti-racism. So I'm a dumb liberal. It's like, it's like, it's these literal things and that i think is what's so scary to me to see in as far as like the future future thing that's why i'm i'm dude i'm trying to bounce i'm uh <laughs> i want to i want to like head down to like costa rica or something i'm looking at guys like the uh do you follow like carnivore md or any of those uh the health accounts Mm-mm. there's uh there's some there's some health accounts that have just completely bailed and they're just living down in costa rica like um yeah dude just living the life like fucking farmers markets fresh fruit all that kind of stuff and like living on a beach and it's super, like i was looking i was looking dude you can get a three-bedroom house with a pool on the literally on oceanside in costa rica for uh 330k U- us and i'm like and this is like in a touristy area of costa rica too so this isn't even some like uh Shack. 
yeah yeah and it's like i'm talking like brand new built 330 like like the the houses haven't even constructed yet and it's like it's wild to see especially what's happening up in canada away from all of the ideology stuff even just literally the economy i'm getting to the point where i'm like i i don't want to raise kids here um just for for that reason like our housing market has gone up 30% in during COVID alone. Um, like for instance, I had a friend who bought a uh, four, yeah, four bedroom uh, house with, with a very small yard uh, a year before COVID for high fives. And a year ago he got it appraised and it was 8.5. Uh, or sorry, not like eight, eight, eight fifty, And it's like, it's, it's crazy. And I'm sitting here going like, yeah, no, you can't like our, our kids, like this next generation, they won't be able to buy a house here. Like it'll, it'll be impossible. It will be a nation of renters. Like I'm, I'm in that boat. Like I, I rent. Um, I think I could probably have some workarounds to that if I wanted to, but I kind of am doing the whole, uh, try to do it on my own thing. But, uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, pretty pretty wild the way that even just cost of living is going and i look at places like costa rica and literally their base uh cost cost of living is half like their grocery costs are half like it's it's i'm i'm looking at it like it could be the utopia that i'm look like as, as close to the utopia as i'm looking for but uh we'll see like but yeah no i it, it sucks because i i never thought i would have been thinking like this but here we are like three or four years after telling myself I'd probably never leave Canada to sitting here going like, holy shit, not only am I now scared of my leader who is so clearly in a dictatorship mentality, but also just economics. Like even if he doesn't, even if they got rid of him tomorrow, like how quickly could they piece things back together? Like it, it's getting tough up here for that. What's your guys' uh, homelessness problem looking like? Not nearly as bad as you guys, but we definitely have we definitely have uh, a homeless problem, especially in the cities like Toronto for sure. Um, I mean, I guess that's where no, more normally uh, homeless problems happen, anyways. But I wouldn't say it's like anywhere near what you would see in LA or anything like that. Like it's it's very far off from that. But there is definitely a large homeless population in Toronto. There is definitely some encampments and parks and stuff like that, uh, tent cities. But, uh, but yeah, not at the level that you see in places like California, but yeah, there's definitely a lot large homeless population here. Yeah. That's one of the trickiest ones, right? Like, what do you do? Like, that's the, that's, you know, and it's crazy because like they, they flock to these areas that allow it. And, you know, I haven't really seen anything get better. I've only seen it get worse. And like, Mm -hmm. There are people like my roommate and uh, one of the professors are close. He's close with, they do, they do outreach, outwork, outreach work and things like that. And they help those people, you know, and they try to, a lot of these guys get caught like public urination and they become sex offenders. It's like, they're not, they're not sex offenders. They're just homeless people. And they do that. They're people with problems really. And so outreach work is really necessary, especially in Portland, you know, in um, LA and New York. And yeah, dude, it's, it's bad right now it's really bad and and it's not it's not seeming like it's going to get better and that is a huge problem because i i even look at that and literally just look at it as the drug problem the addiction problem and like how many how many of those people that are on the streets right now in canada and u.s alike like how many of that how much of that started 
like I like I'm not I'm by no means am I saying like the like opioid crisis is a hundred percent at fault for homelessness, but like mm-hmm. we have to we have to look at those two things like li- in line. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people don't really like talking about it because they even in Toronto here I had somebody start trying to re- uh, refer to homeless people as vulnerably housed, and I was like, why are you why are you calling them vulnerably housed? And he's like, well, like some people, you know, want to live outside. So it's like, we don't want to call them homeless because that is their home. But like their home is necessary, is like vulnerable, like they're vulnerable in their home. And I'm like, wow, like we're getting to this point of compassion where I think it is like, it's uncompassionate at that time. Like, like to be so compassionate that you're letting, like this person may tell you that they want to live outside, but objectively that is worse for them on every single human level. Um, for their health. So it's like, why are we, and I'm not saying to go lock that person in a prison or anything of that nature. I'm not saying to start handing out criminal charges, but like, I look at places like over in, in Europe, like, cause people love to cite the like Dutch laws and stuff against, um, against, uh, drugs and like the decriminalization of them and like how essentially everything is decriminalized and that's the way to go. And, you know, just stop with this taboo around drugs and addiction will stop. Um, But you go actually look deeper into what's happening in those countries and they are still dealing with their addict, the addicted homeless people um, through the legal system. But what they're doing is they essentially, instead of just grabbing a homeless person, tossing them in jail or hitting them with some fine uh, or anything like that of that nature, what they do is they do a court mandated like intervention essentially. So like the courts will grab that person's family, like any of their close kin, any of that, uh, uh, anybody linked to them essentially, and then have them come in and do a, um, an intervention. And then afterwards they have the choice of rehab or, uh, or, uh, Uh, or criminal uh, prosecution or something like that. I can't remember it, like not full blown criminal record or anything like that, but uh, did definitely face some sort of legal action, but it's either like rehab or this. Um, And I look at that and it's like, you have to do something about it. Cause if you just let it happen, it's only going to get worse. Um, I, I don't see any scenario where that problem fixes it on its own, but it's also one of those things where it's like, how do you, fix that problem without having some like less than desirable uh, overstepping of governmental power. Cause like, I mean, I'm, I'm on board with like, Hey, don't fuck with my shit government. But um, there is kind of also that line where it's like, I don't think we can just kind of pretend like it's okay to let these large groups of people like set up it, it dude as much as like i'm probably get, like yeah you, these are the kind of things you'll get roasted for saying online but it's like let's not pretend like there isn't a crazy drug scene happening in these tent cities so it's like you can't you can't just expect that to go away on its own um but again that's one of those ones where i sit here and i go i don't have a fucking answer i'm not i'm just an idiot but yeah dude that homelessness is the toughest one to answer because it's like most of those people have addiction and mental health issues. And that alone is something you like, you can't answer. We don't, we don't have answers to that. The only option right now is really like mental health facilities and 
rehab is kind of attached to that and then police and the police don't do anything like i'll give an example my my friend who does that out or my roommate who does that out outreach work he's my friend too and i don't want you to think he's not my friend um but um so homeless lady clearly on drugs came to our house one time tripping like just like like um and instead of calling the police which is what everyone does because he does this he calmed her down he sat her in the garage and he was calming her down he's giving her water and things like that and uh, she got on his phone because she was playing a song or whatever and she was calming down and she called the police on accident and she was paranoid um and the cops came and they're like not that they were like joking but they're like joking laughing like oh that's just shady shay that's what they call they're like they knew who it was and they're like yeah we can't really do anything unless she's harming herself or others and so they were just like yeah are you fine? Or is he, are you fine? Ask him. His name is Max. He's like, Max, are you fine? He's like, yeah. And, you know, and then she freaked out a little bit after the cops left and left and he hasn't seen her since. But like, that's an example of a situation where cops do not help. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm usually against the abolishment of the police, but like in aspects like that, there should be other areas of law that have mental health facilities, drug facilities that don't have people with guns that have people with um, rehabilitation status or they have abilities to de-escalate situations that are not very harmful they're just they're just like amped up you know and and uh, and up here usually and we don't really have that and so that's like one of the areas we're really lacking and that's the area that would help homelessness the most right mm-hmm. you don't need to call these cops to homeless people who are throwing shit you need people who understand mental health and can like stand like not too super close but can understand the situation, de-escalate the situation, get these people back to either a shelter or their, or their in-housed area and, and then help these people, you know, become into the community. Cause usually there's an area for homeless help, like shelters, food, things like that. Get these people back into the community and, and back into areas where they can function if they can. And then hopefully into situations where they can, they can either live in a shelter or they can, you know, they can, they can work in, in, in part of those regions, maybe getting out food to someone that they, you know, helped. And, and it's very few people who get out of that loop. But if you can address it from a mental health professional situation or a homeless professional, that's how you end that, that stigma. It's not sending cops out there, you know? Yeah. And see, it's so like, see, that's one that's even so tricky too. Cause I, I agree that like, other than arresting a homeless person, what's it like there, there's definitely some wholesome videos of cops having great interactions with people um, in times like those. But there's also like, if we're talking the vast majority of the time, it's probably just nothing's going to come of it. Um, as far as any, any positive uh, movement on the problem, but I also look at it like, holy fuck, it's so dangerous because you're like, on the other end, like even for instance, that the defund the police movement pushes very hard for the domestic violence calls to be answered by social workers and stuff. And it's like, that's the most dangerous call cops go to. It's like, I'm not saying cops are the people to sit, like go in there and that are going to all of a sudden be like, all right, guys, let's sit down and hash this out. All right. Like let's figure out why you're mad and then why you're mad and we'll get everything back together. That, that, that casserole is going to be fine. Like we'll, we'll all eat that together like that's not going to happen but on the other end it's like you're seeing it now where social workers are getting attacked and starting to like uh, like there was a a few cities in the um, states there i was reading recently that um, are starting to pull those policies because social workers a couple social workers actually even got killed uh, showing up to um, 
showing up to like domestic debuts and stuff like that. I don't know whether that's happened necessarily with homeless stuff, but it's like, these are where those lines get so sketchy. And again, like I, I'm not the type of person to be like, this is the one way to go. I think, I think the closest I have heard to that is uh, Jocko Willing's take on police where he thinks that you should up funding for cops um, and make 20% of their time spent training uh, just like a Navy SEAL would like de-escalation drills, all of that kind of stuff. Cause you know, a cop goes to school, does his, uh, does his, does his basic level training, which isn't much. And then, you know, gets the gun and the holster, the badge. And that's all right. Now this is what I am. I'm, I'm a cop. This is what I do. And I'm not saying they don't have brush up techniques or training courses here and there kind of thing. But as far as like, I mean, imagine if that's how the military operated, like it wouldn't be very effective at all. Um, so it's like, yeah, I think these cops really do need to, um, focus on training more. And I, and I don't think that's on in like individual cops per se, but on, on the structure of policing. And then also on the other end, I think you need to, um, push for positive reinforcement of cops. Like I even saw, and it was such a joke concept, but I even started, like, I really started thinking about it and I was like, holy fuck that would actually be really crazy. And like, I actually think it would genuinely change things is uh, like, so somebody was joking and being like, well, could we just change? Like nobody ever feels like, like they're safer when a cop's around. Like everybody always goes like, Oh fuck. Like, am I doing anything wrong? Like everybody instantly just kind of like, shit, is there anything that I could get charged for? Or like, you know, if you see a cop in your taillights, you're kind of thinking like, all right, when am I going to get pulled over? You're not thinking like, Oh, thank God that guy's there. Um, but he like, there's this, post joking and he was saying how it's like wouldn't you just love if like you know a cop followed you for a few blocks like you got pulled over and then they just like roll, rolled up to your window and was like hey man uh i just wanted to let you know you've been like you've been killing it i've been following you like full stops everything not even been rolling like here here's a ten dollar star uh starbucks gift card like this one's on us and then just like head off like that could complete and then i started thinking about it and i was like that would be like you obviously laugh at, at first but then you start thinking about it and you're like wow that could totally change the mentality around policing that they're also they're not just people that you look to as people that sit here and punish for bad mm -hmm. behavior but also that enforce and promote good behavior mm -hmm. um and yeah I, I i like i started genuinely thinking about that idea and being like i think that could change a lot too about like being like yeah all right put cops like maybe okay once every two weeks a cop's duty is not to go out and find give as many traffic tickets as he can but to find as many fucking old ladies to help the cross the street as he can or any of this kind of stuff just to change the 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 relationship the communities have with their police but i mean i know that's kind of pipe dream thinking too but yeah part of that is uh part of the problem with that is um it's all about this yeah so a lot of these yeah. guys have quota systems where they have to ticket a certain amount of people in a month or a week you know yeah. and they get and they get um if they're at the bottom of how many tickets they've given out, they get punished and things like that. So a lot of it isn't their own. Isn't, they don't want to be ticketing people. Like mm -hmm. cops, if you take a survey, cops do not want to be ticketing people. They want to be doing other things that help the community more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have quota systems in place to keep them doing things like that, you know. But to go on to a different topic just real quick, uh, yeah, sure. I wanted to know your opinion on the Joe Rogan Spotify controversy. I'm, mm -hmm. I've, I saw you post a video, but I was like, I'm just going to ask him about it. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if I have much of an opinion per se, uh, as far as like what's going on, it's pretty crazy. 
um, it's it's pretty funny because I'll like I'll I'll have some people going after me being like this is like some you're trying to peddle some conspiracy theory and it's like it's really not i'm pointing out the fact that uh a um a fund uh called black uh blackstone uh investment group bought uh 50 of neil young's music catalog and they also employed the ex-ceo of pfizer as their senior advisor uh last year and they also are pushing for many more artists to join. And you're seeing also like even a couple of uh, those Neil Young's 70s uh, rockers as well start to hop and ship. But this is where I draw the line on this morality stance of anybody that's come at me and said, uh, oh, well, it's because um he has he had the polio vaccine or sorry he had polio as a kid so of course he's uh extremely pro pro vaccine i'm like look i don't give a fuck what the guy's vaccine stance is i just don't believe he's doing it because of that um i'm sorry you do not sit here and say you're taking this moral stance on spotify and 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 claiming spotify is this immoral platform for spreading disinformation and then turn around and start offering a free four month subscription to any of your fans that are willing to ditch Spotify for Amazon music. Like, are we pretending that Amazon has not been doing union busting and also literally having their employees die in their warehouses, making their employees piss and uh, water bottles because they're being tracked by apps that if they're fucking two minutes late to a delivery or picking something up in the warehouse that they get fired literally by the app. Um, so it's like, I, I, I don't believe he's taking this moral stance when you're sitting here and trying to funnel people into Amazon when Blackstone who owns 50% of his uh, catalog um, has substantial business ties with Blackstone as well. Like I, I'm just, I'm just not buying it. And people will be like, well, you already got paid. What do you mean? He's, uh, he's selling out. I'm like, I've, first of all, I haven't used the word sellout. I don't typically think of that kind of stuff. I always joke and I'm like, Hey dude, if somebody starts waving some money in my face, I might start thinking, uh, some different ways. Uh, no, I'm just joking. I'll probably, I, I definitely won't say anything different for money, but it's like, that is a real fucking thought that I have. It's like, it's like, would I, would I, um, so like, I'm not saying I'm above it, but to think that this guy would sell his music rights to a company and that com- for millions upon millions upon millions of dollars and that company would never pick up a phone call again to that man. Like, I, I, I'm not buying that. Um, I'm not saying that's 100% what the story is either. But if I'm looking at the uh, objective scenario, I definitely think this is a Wall Street hit on Rogan. Uh, I could be proven wrong and maybe I'll have to eat my sock on that one. Uh, I won't do it literally like Sager did, but, um, uh, but yeah, no, it's like, I, I, I look at, I look at scenarios and I just go, what's the most likely scenario. I'm not saying this is a hundred percent the scenario, but I'm, I, I just take it and go like, what makes the most sense here? And the most sense is that, yeah, Wall Street is leading a crusade against Rogan. They don't like him. He's been like, I mean, even you've seen the, or have you seen, sorry, the reports of uh, his ratings compared to all these media outlets. Like he's got like a, like 10 times or 11 times the viewership of CNN's top viewed show. Mm-hmm. And he does that every single episode. Like these corporations and these, the, these Wall Street trust funds and stuff, they, they do not like Rogan at all. And so like to 
put it out of the question that there would be some institution crusade against Rogan is, is wild. And I think the craziest thing to see about it is people who have been claiming that Wall Street and these, uh, these financial groups and the institutions and all of this kind of stuff completely take the institution's side and just start defending them. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's completely wild to me that like people are willing to all of a sudden join hands with somebody that they've been claiming is their mortal enemy um, for this because they hate Rogan so much, which is like, dude, I'm not, I don't even listen to Rogan that much anymore. Like I, I, I try to read more than listen or watch anything. Like I, I've, I've, I sold my TV, all of that. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I've been strictly trying to switch over to books like I get it if people don't like Rogan but also to say he's doing anything disingenuous or that he's purposely spreading like misinformation or any of this kind of stuff ridiculous is, is absolutely wild like you listen to one of his episodes especially with like Peter McCullough or the Alex Berenson episode where he talked about vaccines as well and all this kind of stuff like as he's talking about it he is consistently being like hey Jamie can we just check that real quick before like moving on like like every single time and like don't get me wrong. Like he'll like, obviously he misses the mark on some things sometimes, but like to think that he is not, this is the only guy, this is the only media head on that stage that has ever got something wrong and then issued like a massive statement about it the next day. And like in a, in an honest way and not just buried some retraction in their 10th page of their website. Um, so it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it confuses me to see everybody, um, join hands with the establishment against Rogan. Like you can not like the dude, you can not want to listen to his podcast, but to say he's doing anything dangerous to society is fucking wild. They're just bullshitting because of how fucking powerful he is, dude. That guy might be the most powerful like media guy in the world. Like his sure. influence, like he. And the crazy part, what they hate the most is he's talking to mostly the people he's talking to are are young people, right? Mm -hmm. he, I mean, like the oldest people that are, I mean, any, everyone's listening to him, but like the large majority of people who are young people and he's influent and he's telling people to critically think and get their shit together and work out and be healthy and, and critically think about things like the government tells you and they fucking hate it they so they, much. they don't only hate it because he's like trying to be like truthful about things and tell people to critically think they hate it because they had to sell their souls basically to these these large corporate heads and to these government officials in order just to have a voice in journalism mm -hmm. and he just gets to say whatever the fuck he wants and make millions of dollars and streams on it and yeah. they hate it and i fucking love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude well i look at it just like you could have there is nothing telling you that you could not have taken that risk. I am taking that risk right now. Like after I started seeing kind of the support that I've been getting for what I've been doing online, I instantly started being like, oh shit, there's something here. Um, there, and it's like, okay, I, I this is going to be my first and only focus for like a, a considerable amount of time. Um, and, and see if I can make it work. But it's like, yeah, that's the thing is those people didn't want to take that risk because guess, I, I mean, I'm sitting here going, I've failed 
two different music projects after years of work into them like it's it's fucking uh, i'm used to it at this point but like most people aren't willing to do that they aren't willing to put all their chips into themselves because well if they don't trust themselves to be able to cash out on those chips um and it's crazy to see yeah the uh jealousy uh, uh, essentially play out um and, and yeah that that is very present and that is a very big part of it for sure and then also just the fact that like yeah he can't be bought for to say something like they they hate that for sure it's like you can't pay him with ad money uh to to be pro pro your product or pro this or pro that so um yeah it's i i think if shit gets real hairy with this i i heard i heard, I, was, I was listening to uh do you watch crystal and saga much like breaking points um they're they're like kind of my go-to for any news stuff they uh so they used to work at the hill um mm. which is obviously a, a very uh big media outlet and essentially they were running their they had their largest youtube show uh so they were putting uh youtube clips together 10 minute rant or not even rant just 10 minute news coverings of uh of what's going on and about a year ago ish they bailed from the hill because they just had so much fan support that they were essentially like outgrowing the hill um and they were like all right cool we'll just ditch and do our own little independent media company and now they're like completely independently funded and it's the same thing they're they're experiencing the same thing as rogan where it's just like yeah they get they get fucked by the institutions and all that not nearly as much on the same Mm -hmm. scale as rogan obviously um but yeah like it's uh i think i think if there is anybody out there that's looking at it right now and just kind of thinking about whether to put their future into the institutions of themselves, I think, I think right now I fuck them. Yeah. I like I'm, I'm very much, I'm unemployable at this point, man. Like I've said too much, I've said too much shit, made too many jokes on the, on the internet. I know I'm not as, uh, as, as, as quippy in a live podcast as I am. Uh, I, cause I do, uh, I should be, I should be clear to anybody listening as well. Um, usually when I write my scripts, it's like, I'll, I'll write like a, a, a base script for something. And then I have, I have a buddy that him and I punch up scripts together quite a bit, but it's like, I'll get my basic formulation down. So it's like my opinion and my idea and my words, and then have, we'll, we'll work it out and kind of like come up with the joke aspects and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's like, I, I'm at the point where I'm unemployable. Any, anywhere with an HR department is not hiring me at this point. <laughs> yeah. I think about that, but also I'm not doing anything horrible and also i'm gonna be a lawyer so like i'm gonna just you know work for a dope ass firm you're saying you're not doing anything horrible and you're doing law (laughs) (laughs) i'm not doing anything horrible i'm not saying anything no no no, i'm just kidding yeah yeah yeah. i know what you're saying i am excited to go to law school though and to i mean hopefully the united states exists with laws within the next few years that would be really fucked for me if if it didn't i think it. so are you sorry so are you minoring in like how does that work so you're in school right now for politics and philosophy and then you're you would go major in law is that what you No, i just go to law school oh okay so you would go to you would go do yeah separate schooling again i'm getting my bachelor's degree which is undergrad degree in politics and government and a minor in philosophy and now i will go get my juris doctor from a law school Ah. go work as a lawyer somewhere gotcha that's dope man Yeah. yeah it's it will be uh you know who knows 
Maybe I won't do that. I think I want to do it, but you never know. Like, I'm not going to just say like 100% that's my game, you know, because like, I never know, you know, nobody ever knows. No, you got to go, you got to go where the wind goes sometimes. And, and just, I, I feel like that's when life is best is when you're going with the wind. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, at, at, at this point, it's like people, I, I think about long-term stuff a lot and people would think that I'm, I don't, uh, I can think of a few close to me off the top of my head, probably. But um, the thing that I think about is like, I look at it as a long-term investment right now. I do not think it is that smart to play the game. And and by no means am I giving anybody personal advice here. He is 100% giving you your jobs. Uh, but uh, no, but I, I think about it as the, fact that we're, we're getting to this point where pension plans are even getting scary that they could just go completely bankrupt um we look at things like the housing market crashes all of that like where there's no doubt we're in another bubble right now all of this kind of stuff uh even if you just think about literally inflation as a as, as a concept that happens every year for for like i mean even if they keep it under wraps it's like they mm-hmm. aim for somewhere around four percent it's like okay that old that old mentality of you know putting 25 percent of your paycheck under your pillow it's like you're losing four percent of that every fucking year um so it's like not necessarily that anybody's taking it from you but it's just that the the inflation rises your money is actually less valuable than it was this time last year uh because essentially the cost of goods are higher right so it's like this this old school mentality of just buy a house put a put a few bucks in a savings account every every paycheck and 50 years from now rely on your pension i look at that and i go the yeah the housing market's in a bubble okay the inflation is fucking crazy right now like i mean i think we're up somewhere around seven percent right now in canada um and on the other end all of our government programs are like yeah bleeding money and not able to keep up so it's like I, I'm not putting my long-term faith in those. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm looking for kind of just go the opposite route of being like, all right, how can I take care of myself on a basic level? Even if like all money was to run out, and I end up just going fucking caveman. Uh, but it's like, yeah, just start thinking like, I mean, that literally sounds doomsday prepper, but uh, uh, definitely not. I don't have any, I'm not sitting on a a chair of made out of cans or anything at the moment, but uh, it's like, yeah, no, I I don't know. It's like nothing's certain at this point anymore. So I I think it is very much like go with the wind, see what happens uh, as far as societal wide. Cause as much as, as much as I hope it doesn't happen. And I also don't, I'm not one of those people to uh, get invested into the idea to the point that I want it to happen. But it's like, I, I look at it and I go, Oof, this, this Western world, it's like civilizations crumble. And I don't think it's a ridiculous take anymore to say that, like, you could be looking at the downfall of the Western world if shit doesn't really take a turn in the next five to 10 years. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, that's good. It's good next year, man. It's like, we're done. But it's like, yeah, it's like, if we don't do this five to 10 year turn from now and China does pull off their 2050 plan, and it's like Asia pulls over. Like, I mean, I think it's by 2030 that they think uh, Asia will be, uh, will actually take over and have the majority of the world GDP. And it's like, if China keeps gobbling up these 
uh, these Asian countries, like like they're trying to with Taiwan right now, that with them taking back uh, Hong Kong, all that stuff. Um, they're they're going on the offense in in Asia, and I mean they are literally. Everybody talks about World War Three is like when will it happen? It's like I already think we're in it. World World wars are just kind of happening different at this point. Like they're happening on an economic and social level, um, because I think we've just got to the point with weaponry where it's just like we can't have wars unless it's literally just like I want to destroy you. Um, because yeah, until we have like robot people to fight them, right? Yeah, that, that would be fucking so much cooler than actual warfare if it's yeah. not uh, if it's not if it's just robots. But um, yeah, even that, like, I mean, with the, with well, I mean, ever since you know, people love to talk about nukes being the um, nuclear deterrence and mutual assured destruction, and it's like I think that's what we're seeing, and I think we're in a war right now, and just nobody wants to pull that trigger first, mm-hmm. and. Um, like, I mean, even you, you see it right now happening, like any single one of these in current uh, um, in, uh, scenarios, sorry, where whether it's China and Taiwan or whether it's Ukraine and Russia, like either of those scenarios could easily be the fuse on a world war like that. That, that stuff has happened time and time again. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't think any of that stuff is out of the question for sure. Yeah, man, me either. Um, I think it's a. It's definitely going to happen. Like troops are definitely going to fly into um into into Europe and then into and then some into Asia, you know, and and, and we're going to be fighting Russia and China in mm-hmm. the next couple of years and we are and we know it and everyone knows it. It's just when, like you said, when when are we going to I guess it's when does the citizenry get filled in that we're in a war? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And when do they, you know, when do they start pulling citizens to fight it again? You know, when do yeah. we, um, when oh, do the dude, American if, troops? Oh, dude, I, I don't even care if it makes me a coward. Fucking enlistment start coming. Like I'm blowing out a kneecap for sure. Like I'm fucking, I'm not playing around. I won't go kill somebody. I'm, I'm Muhammad Ali in it. Not even necessarily as like a fucking stance mm-hmm. about being like, uh, like, uh, yeah it's just i don't want to fucking kill anyone <laughs> i'm not pulling a trigger i'm shooting somebody man yeah man it. yeah i uh be crazy if my grandfather fought in world war ii and i fought if i i fight in world war three that'd be insane um, yeah no shit eh fuck yeah, yeah well, I, I i looked at that know. sorry no, what were you gonna say? No, you you go first. Oh, I was just gonna say I literally look at it like like ever since I I heard Muhammad Ali and how he f- uh, skipped out on the enlistment mm-hmm. for Vietnam and just how he was like, yeah, no no Viet Cong person has ever harmed me before. I'm not going over there. I'm not doing that. And it's like that's how I've looked at it ever since. So I was like, they haven't done fuck to me. I'm not fighting your war. Yeah. Or- War is just old men talking. What's that FDR quote? Old men talking and young men dying. Or mm-hmm. there's the other one too, where it's war is uh, the rich wage war and the poor die. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like, I, I'm not playing. I'm not, no, fuck you guys. I'm not playing. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying, man, this is fun. Is there anything you want to, you want to say or talk about before you get, we go or we, we wrap this up? No, man, this was uh this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you uh, having me on there for this. Yeah, dude, anytime, man. It's like I said, like I told you before we started, it's really just a conversation. Wherever it goes, it goes. You know, I don't like, I, I, I don't want to set a structure because I, I like being outside the structure. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> I like being outside, you know. I think it's more fun like this. I think it's more, um, I want to say open, but I, 
it's more uh, true, you know, it's, it's a true conversation. That well, you also naturally in. gravitate towards what's interesting, right? Like mm -hmm. rather than just be like, okay, this is the topic we're going to talk about. Maybe one mm -hmm. person is interested in it more than the other. And then it's like that conversation doesn't necessarily ever go that well. Yeah. Um, but if you, yeah, if, if you just have genuine conversations, they usually end up. So I think, uh, no, I think your podcast structure or lack of structure is great. Yeah. Well, man, this was a lot of fun. Um, I'll keep you posted with all the information. It'll be out tomorrow. Okay. Um, so you have a great night. You have. Perfect. We'll stay in touch, man. Perfect. Talk to you soon, brother. Episode See number you, 93 with Liam DeBoer. What an awesome dude. Make sure to follow him at liam.out.loud and follow me on my social media at Colin Demands Answers and on all streaming platforms at the same. Remember to stay up to date with shows. DM me if you guys have any guests you want me to interview or come on. And also, if you guys have any questions for me or the show, remember to subscribe to me on YouTube to stay up to date with shorts, episodes, and clips. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, stay demanding. <laughs>